Several times in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus starts a teaching with the phrase, you have heard it said. He then goes on to state something that all good religious folk knew to be true. Or was it? Without hesitation, Jesus redirects the entire teaching with these words, but I say to you. He then goes on to teach them something different, which completely changes their understanding of what they previously thought to be true. Surprisingly, but unquestionably, we live in similar circumstances today. Much common knowledge we all take for granted begins with the phrase, everybody knows. Quite literally, we have heard it said for so long, we do not recognize thoughts or ideas that contradict the wisdom of God and lead us away from authentic life in Jesus Christ. Sadly, this same worldly wisdom has also infected a great deal of church teaching as well. In this podcast, the Reverend Elizabeth Moreau explores a different piece of conventional wisdom, examines what is true from a Christian point of view, and exposes how widely held common knowledge can lead us away from God. Welcome to the You Have Heard It Said podcast. Well, welcome, everybody. You are listening to the You Have Heard It Said podcast, and it is coming to you from that well-known glacier field in North America, the frozen tundra of southeast Texas. Yes, it is frigid cold here, and um, I bet rumor has it, there is a thaw coming. I am excited. Um, This is Elizabeth Moreau, and our topic for today is that religions are the cause of wars and Um, It's a claim that we hear sometimes, and we're going to talk about that and think about that a little bit, maybe a little bit differently than we normally do. But before we go to the topic, let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask that you open our hearts and our minds to the knowledge and love of you and Jesus Christ. Grant that we may receive your Holy Spirit for the healing of our souls, illumine our thoughts, and enliven our hearts. Teach us in this time so that we may know you and your Son, Jesus Christ, and live. These things we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, I want to take a moment and, and uh, talk to you all a little bit. Uh, when this podcast was first conceived, I had um, this idea that we would try to uh, uh, expound on ideas that we hear and, that, um, and see if we can learn to recognize ideas that are outside of the faith that have infiltrated into Christianity in modern life today. And I'm not really changing that particular um, focus, but instead, um, I want—I think it's more urgent now than I thought before. Uh, I think it's more important for us to understand what is truly Christian belief and what is contrary to Christianity. Um, we are in a culture envi- cultural environment that is hostile in general, right? And so knowing where to stand or how to respond to situations is difficult. Knowing uh, what is true and what is right and what is wrong, who's telling the truth and who's lying, uh, those things are very hard to discern. And um, what I want for us as Christians is that we not pick sides in the culture as much as we pick Jesus. And um, I think that's really important for us. We need, there are, there are, you know, all sorts of different ways um, that we can respond to the culture around us. There are different ways in which we can um, uh, 
I want to say, make our opinions known and, and have ideas and things like that. But we need to do so that, and we need to do so as Christians. Whenever we're going to speak or say something, we need to understand that we are Christian first and then political or whatever else second, okay? And so that our, our interaction with the world needs to be based in the truth of Jesus Christ, and which would entail knowing the truth of Jesus Christ, right? And I've, I've made the point several different times that you cannot be both Christian and, sick and secular, right? Because secularism, progressivism pollutes the gospel, right? Um, however, we're reaching the point, I think, where the nation is kind of imploding and, and we're being pushed to choose a side. And, and I think that's a mistake for us to do. You know, we need to hold tight to the Christian faith. Many of the beliefs that are um, at stake in our society, the many of the things that people are disagreeing about so strongly, are things that um, both are contrary to Christian teaching, right? So I, I want us to be able to um, dig deeply into the faith and to understand and think with the mind of Christ. Uh, I don't think that we can be so arrogant as to believe we understand everything that God is God is doing or He is uh, at work accomplishing. But we can understand in this moment, one time, one day at a time what God would have us do and how to respond with hearts of virtue and hearts of um, uh, care and hearts of, I don't know, with the heart of Christ, with forgiveness and, and compassion, I guess, would be what I'd say. Um, but as the conflict and antagonism increase in our society, um, we need to purge what is not true from our thought as much as we can. And, and I think since we're sinful, there is a limit to how much we can purge from our thought that's not true. There are things that infiltrate it all the time, but we should at least be aware of that and try. And so that's kind of, I think it's more urgent now than it was when I originally conceived the podcast. How's that? So anyway, our topic for today um, is religions cause wars. And see, this isn't really a really hot topic right at the moment, um, but but it, I still think it's worth discussing because I think that we're going to be able to see how that ties into our world today, right? The idea that religions cause wars has been largely um, contradicted by historians in some degree. There are uh, It's not a widely held belief, but it's, it's, a, it's a common enough belief that you hear it from time to time. But it's repeated mostly by detractors from Christianity, people who dislike Christianity, detractors of Christianity. Um, it was popularized again because um, it's an idea that's been around for a long time, but it, um, it was popularized again by um, Richard Dawkins in the middle of the, um, I don't know, in the late 2009, 2010, the, Iraq, the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And um, he, it's the sort of claim that a person can make, right? Uh, well, religions cause wars. Look at that war over there that they're having. It's all about religion or whatever. whatever. It appeals to his opinion. Right, it's, it's, and we make claims like this all the time. But he make, he made this claim. It's a sort of claim that appeals to our opinion. He is opposed to the war, and he is opposed to Christianity, and therefore he can kind of kill two birds with one stone. I think that's you know how, how convenient for him. Wars uh, uh, wars are caused by Christianity, or wars are caused by religion. I don't like religion. I don't like wars, or I don't like this war. And therefore, how convenient for me that logic would would lead me to conclude that religions cause wars. Even so. This is, um, even, even though there, it's been challenged, this is still, I think, um, a deal, uh, a topic from which we can uh, get, take several important lessons. There are several important lessons for us here. I tried to locate the origin of the idea that religions cause war, and um, I, you know, I didn't, I couldn't trace it back to a single one statement, um, and I'm, and, but I came across a comment by Montesquieu, who was a French baron in the 18th century, he died in 1755, and uh, he was an influential Enlightenment philosopher, 
He was also a wealthy baron and owned land he, in Bordeaux, France. And I'm sure there's a lot could be said about uh, Montesquieu, and a lot actually probably is, but um, I don't know a great many things about him, and I, I do know that I'm not interested in learning any more about him. Um, not, uh, I know enough about Enlightenment thought or Enlightenment philosophy to know that I'm not interested in knowing any more of that. Thank you. But anyway, so I want to use a quote that I found from him, though, that he, um, that he had said. The religious wars are not caused by the fact that there is more than one religion, but by the spirit of intolerance, the spread of which can only be regarded as the total eclipse of human reason. All right, now then, I think that's true. Uh, I understand what he's saying. Religious wars, let me read it again because I want, I'll drive home what he says. Religious wars are not caused by the fact that there is more than one religion, but by the spirit of intolerance the spread of which can be regarded as the total eclipse of human reason. Now, then, Montesquieu doesn't say here that religions actually cause war, but it is one of those feeder thoughts that sort of are a foundation or build to this whole argument. What he's saying is that religions necessarily hold a particular claims of truth, and they therefore necessarily possess a spirit of intolerance. I'm right, you're wrong. All right, and I hold the truth, and I am intolerant of your truth. I must, you know, I must go and fight for my God. And the spirit of intolerance, then he says, eclipses all reason. And re religions and religious claims and stuff to truth are therefore necessarily intolerant. The implication is that human reason, rightly applied, right, would mitigate the impulse to war. Right? There is so much wrong with that statement that I'm not even sure where to begin. Now, the beauty of that statement is that it perfectly illustrates the arrogance of Enlightenment thought. If only everyone were as reasonable as I am, then we wouldn't have wars. Reason would not allow us to have wars because we would be reasonable and we would be tolerant and we would have reason. <laughs> That's as good as an illustration, I think, as any um, in terms of what of the points that I want to make today. Yes, and here's my point. I do think that religions cause wars, but not in the traditional manner that somebody like a Dawkins would think. But instead, I think that uh, religions cause wars because human beings are religious by nature. And that's one of the points I want you to, to take away from um, this, this quote. Human beings are religious by nature. You know, um, they that uh, we are. Uh, <laughs> I don't think about think about sports fans, right? How they show up, you know, game day, and they have all these cookout stuff. And there's this whole industry around sports, and um, I mean, millions and billions of dollars. I don't know how much they spend; is a lot. But I mean, but my point is that like all these fans, they have all their favorite colors for their team. They either support, you know, uh, bas uh, you know, basketball, baseball, football, or whether it's college or it's pro or whatever. And people, people are adamant, and they are just the they are vehement about uh, the team for which they are fan to you know for which they are fans, and. Um, <laughs> the word fan is a shortening of the word fanatic, right? And I don't think it's hard to argue, for example, that, that a lot of people are fanatical about their sports team, whatever team they support, right? I don't think that's a big problem. But, but my point is that that is a religious fervor that you see in human beings, that they are passionate about something they believe in and passionate about what they care about. And it's a sport, okay? It's not, um, it's not, um, it's not a god, it's a sport, right? But that's what a fan is. A fanatical person, you know, and um, and the second and, and what G.K. Chesterton said, um, and I've used this 
recently in, in a meditation I wrote. But anyway, um, it's G.K. Let me just pause. G.K. Chesterton made the point that when men choose not to believe in God, they do not thereafter believe in nothing. They then become capable of believing in anything. All right? And his point is the same one that I'm making. People are religious by nature, and we're going to believe in something. And the question is, what something are you going to believe in, right? And we're going to worship. It's just, even if it's not associated with a religion, maybe you worship, I don't know, I live in Houston, the Texans, or maybe you worship um, the Dallas Cowboys or, or whoever. It doesn't matter. We're going to worship. Um, even, if it's, even if it's not associated with religion, we are passionate about the things that we're passionate about. Right? I mean, I think there are people who are passionate about what you eat, I mean, you know, um, or how much exercise you do or whatever. And um, they are religious about, we say, we even say that. Oh, he works out religiously. I mean, however many times, well, you know, um, human beings are religious by nature. And we ought to recognize that up front. The second thing I want to say that is a, that a point that I want to take away from this is that human beings are by nature intolerant, right? We are intolerant of other people and people who are different from us. We are especially intolerant of those who hold ideas that are not the same as our own. And that was that was Montesquieu's point. He's saying, you know, that we're not um, that that he his whole point is to say that we are intolerant because we are religious and we hold these these convictions. But I want to say that um, being religious and being intolerant are qualities of being human that they are a product of human beings and not necessarily a product of the religion, right? Human beings are intolerant by nature. When I was in seminary, I had this T-shirt, and it said, nobody's born a bigot. It's one of those like um, T-shirts you wear, and it has this like blurb on it, and you're, so, uh, you're making this big statement about how, um, I don't know, how enlightened you are or something, or how um, it's a moral statement that, that comes across, and uh, it, may, it feels good, everybody likes it, but it lacks any real serious substance, right? There's no real, there's no real substance to what you just said, but um, nobody's born a bigot. Well, kind of, that's true, but we are born distrustful. We are born wary of each other. Have you ever like gone up to a baby that you don't know even if you know the parent, you go up to a baby you don't know. How many of those go? Hey, I'm glad to see you. Not many. They don't. A, a baby naturally will will hold to to the person that he or she knows, and it will be. Um, they do. They will do that, even to family members. Right? They don't look at. Oh, I bet you you're my cousin. Right? Oh, you're probably my aunt. I remember when my uh, great nephew came to visit me as a toddler for the first time, and he was about two, I guess. And he came with his grandmother, and they were at my house, and he could not have been sweeter. He is just as cute as can be. He is now four or five years old, and he is as personable and outgoing as a child can be. However, and, and he was personable then. He was as sweet as he could be then. However, he was very guarded, right? He's at my house. His grandmother obviously loves, loves me, and um, he, she's comfortable there, and she's unafraid. And so he, he did, but he didn't know me. So he's very care, careful. And he wouldn't get within arm's length of me for a long time. But he was personal and friendly, and he talked to me, and he answered questions, and he played. But he didn't—he didn't get too close. Don't touch! No, don't touch me because I don't know you. We are by nature intolerant and unwary, uh, and well, unwary. We are by nature intolerant and wary of pe of people we don't know, of people who are different from us. Right? He, that's just one example. I think the very best example of that, however, 
comes from Dawkins himself. When we talk about being re- uh, religious and intolerant, that those are human qualities, Dawkins himself is the best example I can come up with. Um, he is religiously zealous about atheism, and he is intolerant, completely intolerant, of conflicting views. I can think of almost nothing more intolerant today than the tyrants of reason that that preach to us everywhere we go and tell us what we ought to think, right? And Dawkins is is a perfect illustration of that. In the U.S., um, public public discourse and public thought um, has risen above religion. That's what we claim, or that's what we t- tell one another, <laughs> and or, or that's what we are told. I guess we should say is that you know. We've risen above religion. In fact, the truth of the matter is religion has been so marginalized that it doesn't even figure into the equation anymore. Nobody ever discusses it. Nobody ever talks about it. Right? There's no appeal to religious belief in any discussion. Right? But we are certainly not more reasonable people, are we? We are certainly not a more reasonable nation, are we? Now, politicians have always been, what do I say, um, suspect i think and there's always been tremendous you know argument and acrimony and fighting between parties and different beliefs and things how we're going to order our lives that's that's a very common trait uh and that's always gone on but um if you look at our congress today can anyone say that these people are reasonable that these people are tolerant and I'm not talking about one party versus the other party. I'm just talking about Congress in general. They're kind of an embarrassment for the, the entire nation, all of them. You know, um, but are we as individuals, if we just take politics out of it, if we individuals, are we more tolerant? Are we more, um, are we more, or more, if we all use reason, if we all abide by reason, right? I mean, we're in a reasonable society. We've sidelined religion. We're not going to talk about that. So we should all get along, right? We should all be very tolerant, Right. Do you ever read the comment section on any article in the news? And it really doesn't matter what article you're reading. Um, the vitriol that comes out, right? The vulgarity, the insult, the profanity, the name-calling. You know, I think it is astounding. Um, in the middle of all this ice and snow and all the catastrophe in Texas, Ted Cruz, who is a U.S. senator, went off to... Um, Mexico on a vacation to a resort. I think Cancun. I don't like it. No, I don't really care. I don't care what Ted Cruz does. Uh, If they're not voting and he's not needed in Washington, then I don't really care what he does. And um, I don't have any real strong opinion about it one way or the other. But there was this post, and it was, this person was incensed that all of us are going without electricity, and he went to Cancun. Now, I I gotta tell y'all, if I could have gotten to get, gone to Cancun, I'd have been packed up and out of here in a heartbeat. I mean, it was cold, and there was no heat for a lot of people. There's no electricity, without power. There's nothing he can do about that. He is a U.S. senator, and that is the the electricity, the, the electrical grid in the United in the state of Texas has nothing to do with his job as a U.S. senator. It has everything to do with uh, state state politics, but it has nothing to do with him. Right? He doesn't have any say so over it. He didn't have anything to do with any of it. But what matters? <laughs> In whether you like Ted Cruz or not, what matters is how the people responded to this article or this picture of him on a plane going off to, on vacation someplace warm where everybody wanted to be. And then the antagonism and the hatred back and forth between the votes. And it was on a site dedicated to kindness. How utterly offensive and embarrassing. This is what passes for reason, Right? And the comment sections 
on everything that I read are all like that. We are, we can be really vicious. It's, it's shocking how vicious we can be. You know, it's kind of um, appalling. Anyway, neither here nor there. Um, my, I've made my point, I think, or I've tried to make my point. I think that human beings are religious by nature, and even if you don't have a religion, you haven't taken away the religious impulse. You don't have to have a deity to still be religious and believe things with religious fervor. And likewise, I think that all human beings are inclined toward intolerance. I mean, who holds a belief that that's not worth believing in? Oh, I think it's so important to believe this thing, but not important enough that I care enough to make you believe it or try to convince you of it or tell you about it or persuade you the truth of it. Nah, it's not that important. Oh, wait. Most of secularism is that way. Or that's what they would have us believe. And we're going to take that up in the next half after a quick break. Elizabeth will be back in just a moment. If you have questions or comments about this or a previous podcast, please send her an email. Her email address is elizabeth at servantsfeast.org. We're back now to You Have Heard It Said with the Reverend Elizabeth Moreau. All righty, welcome back. Um, I want to pick up where I left off. We're talking about human beings and um, uh, religious, being both religious and intolerant. I want to take a moment to talk about the Old Testament real quick. In the Old Testament, um, it's very common to hear people say that the Israelites went to war um, and they uh, attributed their their greed or their desire for land to their God. And there's nothing in the scriptures to support that, actually. In fact, when the Israelites went to war without God's permission, he punished them, generally speaking. But in in reality, what what you read in the Old Testament and what you see in Genesis as well is that God is establishing, when he, when he tells them to go to war, he is establishing that he is the, the true God. He is defeating um, the lesser gods of city-states, right, um, or of tribes or of, of you know uh, small kingdoms at that time. He's going in and establishing that he is the true God and that those gods are not. The same thing is true in Genesis when I brought that up. Um, my point is that like if you look at the, the creation story in Genesis 1, each one of those God is defending a God is defeating or or he is announcing that he created those gods is what he's doing. He's saying um, that he created the God of the sun. You know, when he said, I created the sun, well, people worship the sun. Oh, I created your God. And um Throughout the Genesis story, throughout the Genesis creation story in chapter one, all of those are gods that he's um, he's defeating. He's overcoming. I'm the one who created those, and therefore um, those gods are those gods are lesser than I because I created them. Right. So he's establishing his sovereignty as God. And he is the supreme God above all gods. Right. Um, historically. We move away from that. We can look at other civilizations, or we can look at recent history, as a matter of fact, and uh, we can see that the primary reasons to go to war were land and wealth. In an in information society, we live in a society where you can make money with on information, um, and you can support yourself. That was not true historically. If you wanted to be wealthy, if you wanted to have, then you had to have land, right? The only way to gain or attain greater wealth was to um, uh, gain land, and so people went to war for land, and they would do that for natural resources. They would do it to achieve slave labor. That is something that we are completely oblivious about is that that slavery is an institution of human nature as well as wrong as it is as evil as it is and i'm not even i'm not even pretend to defend it but it's gone on since the very beginning it didn't start in 1619 just for the record but um anyway so um you know the 
there was some sense in which all those things mattered to human beings. And they, and when they went into a war, whether it was a tribal situation or a kingdom situation, they went to war with their gods. And when their god triumphed, they said, you have to worship our god. And that was part of the problem with the Israelites when they went to Babylon. Where are we going to find my god? What happened? Where did our god go? We're stuck over here in Babylon, you know. And um, and our god is over there back in, in, in Jerusalem. And, and Anyway, so... Um, what I want to say about that is at least they were honest, right, about it. Last time I was talking about the uh, colonization of the uh, the of other of other cultures as we rid them of our tradition of their traditions, right? And we are colonizing with secular thought, capturing their religious traditions. We are enslaving them with secular thought. That's not how we use the language, but I think it's wholly applicable. And say, well, we know better, and so we're going to come in there and teach you how to make money because that is the most important thing, is it not? It has great appeal if your people are hungry. I'll grant you that. But I mean, um, to step in and say this is, I, it's a form of calling. At least they were honest about it in the past. We're going to go to war for our God. We're going to go for our war. We're going to go to go. We're going to come over there, and we're going to go to war with you so that we can um, claim secularity. We can teach you to not be religious. That in and of itself is a form of um, religious fervor. At least they were honest. We dress it up and we call it enlightenment. Right? And we go forth and we're going to conquer in the name of enlightened reason because we are such a reasonable group of people to be exporting that particular thought. The, thing, the, the greatest challenge, I think, that makes me crazy, when I'm looking at the United States around me or when I listen to people talk, I think that we're, particularly scholars, they, they come out with these great pronouncements and I think it's incredibly myopic that we don't have any vision above and beyond like... Um, the moment in which we live. We don't understand context. We don't have any vision of history. I mean, slavery is a perfect example. It's not that it's a good institution. It's a horrific institution. It's just that it didn't start in America. And um, and this whole idea of 1619 is just absurd because um, the only reason, never mind, I'm not going to go into that. That's a whole different story. But I mean, slavery has always gone on. And every nation has been built or every civilization has been built on slavery at some point. That's because human beings are horrible. As it turns out, we're in need of a savior. That's why I'm a Christian. We need a savior. But we're, in the United States, we are exporting ideas that are kind of juvenile in the comparison to what's going on in the whole world or what goes on in the context of whole history. We have very little context in what we claim as knowledge, right? And um, we have this a limited scope of understanding. Um, it's, it's very confined and limited because we think we're so enlightened. We don't have anything to learn from the rest of the world who are not enlightened. We are the ones who are so smart, Right? Thomas Sowell said that the pathway to hell, you know, what is it? The pathway to hell um, is paved with good intentions. No, he said the pathway to hell is paved with Ivy League degrees and our diplomas. And I was like, amen to that. I don't think we're producing intelligent people anymore. We're just producing people who think they're very intelligent or whatever. Anyway, a friend of mine uh, used in a sermon, he used a phrase the other day in a sermon that I thought was really rich, right? He said um, that we as Americans are intoxicated with delusion, and I think that's right. And the very first delusion that we ought to that we ought to face is that reason makes us tolerant, right? That is delusional. It does not make us tolerant, right? It, it makes us think that we're smarter than everybody else. It gives us a sense of pride. Pride puff, you know, not as it knowledge puffs up. That's who we are, and um, we we have no awareness of the limitations of what we understand. Right? The insufficiency of human reason, uh, the insufficiency of human reason, excuse me, has led to, the, to a vacuum in the Western world. 
Look at our society today. The absence of reason or the insufficiency of it has not made us um, less intolerant. It has made us more intolerant, right? I mean, all we, if we go back and look at the, talk about the comment sections, the vitriol, the hatred, the antagonism, the anger, the vulgarity, the things that we say, there's no civility in our society. There, it's not even praised. We don't even think civility is a good idea anymore, Right? The sidelining of, of religion does not make us less religious, and it, 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 does not, it does not make us more tolerant. No, instead, what happens is if there is no measure, if there, if there is no uh, being beyond us, if there is no transcendent being to which we must conform, all right, if there's no, there's no external measure to decide what's right or wrong or good or evil or, or, um, or whatever, then the only arbiter is going to be power. That's how come there's so such acrimony in politics today. I mean, politicians have never really gotten along. They've always argued with one another, and and I don't want to, you know, I don't think that's a particularly virtuous class in general. But I mean, you're a long way away from, say, a George Washington at this point, right? And and if you look at any of the at any of the politicians we have today, and why do they argue? Because the, whoever has the power gets to decide what's right and wrong. Right? There is no common virtue. There is no common good. There is no common um, uh, set of beliefs. There's only the, the power, right? It's a vicious battlefield and it's filled with landmines. That's a war right there because there's no way, we have no way to, to determine what's right and wrong if we're just going to go by human reason. It's your reason versus my reason. That's it. When we devolve to the point of human power, the only place to go. The very next step is going to be to like totalitarianism, who has the most power, who has the most um, strength, who can require. It's not that we're not going to have a God, it's that we're going to have a vicious demonic God in communism and a totalitarian uh, um, society, right? Christians need not to succumb to that. This pattern has been repeated throughout time. I can't even tell you how long it's been going on. I don't really know. But I do recognize that I, mean, I, was, I think that we are too arrogant, I think I should say, um, in our mindset to, to know that this is, ha- this is what is happening. Um, we don't understand um, what it is to be. It, we don't understand human nature because we've recreated that in our minds into something that is supposed to be reasonable that's not reasonable at all. Um, we're just going to recreate human beings without any awareness of human sin or any awareness of human flaws. We're going to correct everything. Human beings are going to be religious, and we are going to be intolerant, and we are going to be ruled by our God. And if we don't have a divine God, then we're fixing to have a human one, whether we like it or not. And if you think reason is a God, and if you, or I guess I should say, if you don't think reason is God, you only have to look at all the confusion around us. Look, we can't agree on anything. Our society is in, in the midst of, 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 of incredible conflict, and we can't even communicate with one another. I read an article the other day, and I thought, Lord, there is no ground whatsoever for connecting to that person and having an intelligent conversation. Because that person writing that article didn't understand anything in the way that I understand it. We've seen a complete collapse of civility and, and, and an increase in the acceptability of certain forms of violence. And all of this is on the basis of reason, the absence of God. Reason and humility, reason without, excuse me, reason without humility and virtue is just, a, it becomes an echo of our desires and passions bouncing around inside our brains. I want, therefore, that's reasonable. But that's not true. 
We've become a nation of people who use reason to justify our delusions, which should tell you that reason is really quite flawed. And that kind of society can only fail. Historically, it's always done that. You can, we can say all day long that we want to create our own reality. You can create your own reality. Be whatever you want to be. But that's just another delusion. You really can't. Right? Truth has a way of surfacing, y'all. You cannot alter reality. You can, it, it, it is what it is, no matter how badly you want it to be different. I'm, if you wish it were something else, doesn't make it something else just because you wish it would. You wish it would be, you know. I think that the time has come for the church to begin educating their children again. Um, we need to be very serious about that and intentional. You could partner with somebody like Hillsdale. They've already got um, Hillsdale College already has like charter school stuff to give uh, your children a classical education, but. Our children are going to be educated right into totalitarian lifestyle. You know, they're going to be they're going to be fine with communism because nobody's noticed that socialism doesn't work. For example, in any place, anytime, ever, and um, so all of, all of our children are going to college and they're learning. Oh, socialism is a great idea. Let's all share and get along and be nice. Human beings aren't nice, are we? Look at one another. As the chaos increases around us and our culture continues to collapse and it gets worse, Christians need to be the ones who can stand firm and strong, who have hope to offer to the world around us, that we, um, we can help the lost and help the deluded, that we can speak truth with love, that we can have compassion for the lost, that we can um, be for them and for the people around us, a voice of sanity in the middle of insanity. And I do think our country is kind of going insane. And um, because the absence of a God hasn't removed the religious impulse, it's made us religiously um, zealous about destructive things, right? I think we need to be prepared and be ready to step up so that we can offer hope and forgiveness, we can offer salvation and new life. We can offer the people around us a new start. You know what? I don't know what the political inclinations of my neighborhood are. I don't know what people think. But I know the people are nice. And I know that their children are precious. We can love right here. We can be a Christian witness right here. Um, we don't have to argue and fight and win right here. If you look at the national scale, you can't really influence that too much anyway. But you can be a witness for Christ now as long as you understand what is true and what is false. And we're going to talk about that next week. We're going to take up the issue of truth because, because that is a hard, I think, topic for most of us. I don't know, next week, next podcast, whatever it is. When I, as fast as I can get to it, how about that? That's the goal, as fast as I can get to it. We're going to talk about truth. Let's close with a word of prayer. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. I ask you, O oh God, to call your people to lift our eyes to you, that we may see your glory. Send your spirit to walk with us, to guide our steps, and to remind us throughout each day of your infinite wisdom, as well as the safety we find in the shelter of your love. These things we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, again, next time we're going to talk about um, the nature of truth. All right, should be. Until then, y'all be blessed, you hear? You have just heard the latest You Have Heard It Said podcast with Elizabeth Moreau. 
Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or whatever service you might use. Please rate, review, and share this podcast with others. Be sure to look us up on Facebook and like and share this podcast with your friends. And while you're at it, if you appreciate this ministry, please consider making a donation to Servants Feast Christian Ministry through our website. Join us next time as Elizabeth explores and exposes yet another piece of conventional wisdom with the truth of Christ.